0: Welcome to the Truth In My Days podcast, where we defend the Word of God against the challenges of men.
1: Hello all. Today, Sonia is interviewing John about the apparent contradiction in the Bible regarding the year of Jesus' birth. Matthew tells us Jesus was born during the reign of Herod the Great, who, we are told, died in 4 BC, but Luke tells us Jesus was born during a census conducted when Quirinius
2: was the governor of Syria, and we are told that this man did not
1: govern until 86. Can these assertions be reconciled? It will take several episodes to cover this topic. So, if any episode ends with the contradiction still being unresolved, never fear. Tune in to the subsequent episode to find out this challenge addressed in full. If you miss any episodes, you can find them in our podcast. See truthinmydays.com for the location. We hope you enjoy the series. It's not Luke versus the facts, it's Luke versus Josephus. And the simple question, who is the more reliable historian? Well, liberal scholars have have operated for a long time trying to convince us that Luke is not reliable. And through the years, many, many, many accusations were brought against things that Luke recorded in his books on the basis that these were not known to history, they were not recorded, they were not even possible. One prominent example is Luke's statement in Acts 18.12, that Gallio was proconsul of Achaia. The skeptics told us that Gallio never governed Achaia since he is not mentioned in any Roman list, and the title proconsul of Achaia, by the way, is impossible. In Luke 3.1, Luke tells us that at this time, Lysanias was Tetrarch of Abilene. And this is an error, the liberals told us, because Lysanias died in the year 36 BC. Luke talks about the polytarchs in Acts chapter 17, verse 6. And liberal skeptics told us, here's another error from Luke. Such a title was never used for city authorities. Uh, And the list goes on. Acts 19.35, Luke refers to the temple guardians, the Neocaros in Ephesus. We're told, we were told this title is impossible. Luke mentions a proconsul in Cyprus in Acts 13.7 and 8 and 12. Liberal skeptics told us this title is impossible, it was not known from Roman writings. The idea that we knew everything that the Romans used from the writings we had, of course, never really made sense. But oh, but these the, we the do trage- have a
2: lot of writings from the Romans, though, don't we? Uh, we
1: do, but by no means all of it or half of it. We'll, we'll see that as we move on. Acts twenty eight seven, Luke mentions the leader of in Malta is called the first man of the island, and here, too, we were told that this is impossible. But in fact, subsequent archaeological discoveries vindicated Luke in every single one of these cases, every single one.
2: Maybe that's something like what Daniel... Wallace, or whoever it was, was hoping would be discovered to fix this uh, supposedly intractable problem.
1: Yes, the problem is, is there an intractable problem? The difference is that Wallace thinks that we have hard historical evidence contradicting what Luke says. In this case, the arguments were always arguments from silence. They weren't setting evidence against what Luke said. They, They never had a a statement, ancient statement saying Galio never was proconsul of Achaia. It was always an argument from silence. That's the difference. So speaking of Galio, they told us that Galio never governed Achaia since he not listed in any of the Roman lists. Further confidently maintained that the title proconsul of Achaia was impossible. So Luke is clearly not a reliable historian, they crowed. Until an inscription was discovered at Delphi in 1908 that dated to the year A.D. 51 and identified Gallio by name and called him Proconsul. Remember, that's the title we were told was impossible. And yet that was the title found on that inscription that dated to the year A.D. 51. Gallio's tenure was short-lived, beginning in A.D. 51, ending in A.D. 52, which may explain why it was not mentioned on the lists. Lysanias Tetrarch of Abilene. We were told that this has to be a mistake, since Lysanias died in 36 BC, and they kept insisting on that until an inscription dated between AD 14 and 29 was found at Abila, Abila that mentioned Lysanias the Tetrarch. So it was a different Lysanias. Huh. It must have been a second Lysanias, which is not at all unusual to think that that could have happened. But this inscription tells us that yes, at the very time. Luke says Lysanias was tetrarch of Abilene or Abila, we now have hard contemporary inscriptional evidence telling us, yeah, Luke is right. Remember, the liberals told us that's not possible, Luke is not trustworthy, well, Luke is right. The polytarchs in Thessalonica were told that they never used this title, and they kept saying that until an inscription That data between the years AD 69 and 79 was found in 1835 in Thessalonica, in that very city, that listed the polytarchs of that city using the name that liberals told us was impossible. They didn't use that title. Since then, a total of 19 inscriptions have been found using the title polytarch, five of them in Thessalonica. So you might want to think twice before you accept the claims of liberal scholars on the basis of arguments from silence. As the great archaeologist Sir William Ramsay points out, and here's a fellow who who explored the Holy Land for many, many years trying to disprove the Bible and ended up believing it because Luke was so accurate. He tells us that uh, all in all, Luke names 32 countries, 54 cities and nine islands without making a single error. No other Greco-Roman historian even comes close in terms of accuracy.
2: Including Josephus?
1: Certainly including Josephus. We'll we'll look at Josephus' accuracy in a moment. Ramsey writes specifically, Luke's history is unsurpassed in respect to its trustworthiness. Luke is a historian of the first rank. Not merely are his statements trustworthy. This author should be placed along with the very greatest of historians. Acts could bear the most minute scrutiny as an authority for the facts of the Aegean world, and that it was written with such a judgment, skill, art, and perception of truth as to be a model of historical statement. You may press the words of Luke in a degree beyond any other historians, and they stand the keenest scrutiny and the hardest treatment. On the other hand, since you mentioned Josephus, what have historians and scholars found about Josephus writings Josephus accuracy we've already seen one mistake by the way where what he said about the Olympia could not have ma- could not have matched the, the rule of those two people he mentioned Josephus accuracy and reliability as a historian have been challenged repeatedly his free interpretation of his sources and his embellishments of the biblical record He had a habit of overstating for dramatic purposes. Josephus also had trouble with numbers, uncritically accepting and then transmitting augmented statistics. Mount Tabor, for example, tops 30 stadia or 18,200 feet in Josephus, when in fact it was only 1,920.
2: Well, if that is the case, does that mean we can't trust what Josephus said about Jesus' resurrection?
1: No, I don't think you can... Well, if he he mentions particular data such as, oh, Jesus weighed this many pounds when he rose from the dead, then, yeah, you could question that.
2: Well, but if he was... Could could someone say, well, he was dramatizing things when he said that he rose from the dead?
1: You could possibly say that, but then you'd wonder why a Jew would dramatize something saying the exact opposite of what he wants to believe. He'd be acting as a witness against interest in that case. Now, don't get me wrong. Josephus is not a discardable source you have to handle carefully but that's the case with all ancient historians and for that matter modern historians too but it doesn't mean that that you throw it out willy-nilly because they make mistakes here and there what you have to understand is they did make mistakes here and there they weren't perfect luke is as close to perfect as you can get
2: and and certainly anything he wrote in the bible what is inspired so those parts of what he wrote must be
1: perfect. Well, exactly, and that's why when it's a battle between trusting Luke or trusting Josephus, you need to go with Luke. But continuing on about Josephus, at times he is inconsistent in statements made in the Jewish war when compared with those in antiquities. The discrepancies between the Jewish war and his vita, however, are more serious. They include irreconcilable versions. So he will contradict himself. Now, he there's probably about 20 more than 20 years between when he wrote the Jewish War and when he wrote the Antiquities. So yeah, he might have forgotten some details, misremembered them. Discrepancies between the Jewish War and his Vita. Well, Vita is his own autobiography. So yes, he might want to make himself look better there. But the point here is that the idea that you can look at a discrepancy between Luke and Josephus and say, ah, Josephus is right, Luke must be wrong, simply cannot be sustained. Furthermore, even apart from that, we do note that Luke is considerably closer in time to the events he describes, and well within eyewitness times. These people that he's mentioning, most likely he was alive for all of them, but certainly for some of them, Josephus wasn't. We note that the manuscript attestation for the gospel according to Luke is vastly superior to that for the writings of Josephus. And again, Luke is a much more careful and much more accurate historian. So in light of these facts, this default assumption when Luke and Josephus disagree should be that Luke is right. Luke should be considered correct. The fact that he is not, including in the matter of Quirinius, is simply because liberal scholars are looking for an excuse to dismiss the Bible. It's not an even-handed dealing with the evidence. It doesn't seem to matter to them whether their conclusions are valid or not. If we had nothing more to say on this, this would already be enough. Luke wasn't wrong about the date of the census. Josephus was wrong. And again, he's the only one they can adduce for that supposed date. Those, those other sources that they mention do not, in fact, deal with the date of Quirinius governing Syria. So if we had nothing more to say, it would be enough. Bible is right. But there is more. Now, before we continue with the question of Luke versus Josephus, I'd like to look at three more claims that are made by skeptics, three more charges against the Christmas account, three more bases on which they say there could not have been a census of the sort described in Luke. And these three charges are as follows. Number one, There is no historical record of a census of the entire Roman world. Censuses were done piecemeal and involved only Roman citizens. Number two, no Roman census would have been made in Judea during the reign of Herod. And number three, Roman censuses did not require people to return to their ancestral homes, but to where they owned property. Now, the second one of these we can do away with immediately. The idea was that Herod, as a client king, would not have been subject to Roman census. But in point of fact, in 4 BC, Herod angered Augustus, and Augustus changed his status from friend of Caesar to subject. So any time after 4 BC, indeed the Romans could have made a census in Judea. So that second charge, already we we can disregard that one. But we move on to the first charge, which is that there was no historical record of a census of the entire Roman world. Censuses were done piecemeal and involved only Roman citizens.
2: Isn't that just an argument from silence?
1: It is an argument from silence. Now, as you recall, arguments from silence may be weak or they may be strong. When is an argument from silence weak and when is it strong?
2: I guess it's strong when there's a circumstance where you expect to have documentation, but weak when you don't.
0: Thank you, everyone, for listening today. Unfortunately, we have run out of time, but please join us for the next part tomorrow. Same time and same place. Thank you for listening to the Truth In My Days podcast with John Torse. We would love to hear from you.